Smith will keep it. He dives for the end zone. He's got a touchdown. Kansas City in one of the greatest comebacks in Chiefs kingdom history. Entertainment capital of the world. Car out of the shotgun. Looks left. Throws a lob for Michael Crabtree. Caught it. He caught it. He caught it. The Raiders have the lead. 35-34. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Sweet revenge for Michael Crabtree. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. T.C. Martin. The doctor is now in. And a good Monday to you, T.C. Martin Show. Hope everyone had a very wonderful, happy, Merry Christmas and had a fantastic weekend uh, as well. Today we got a lot to cover. NFL, NFL, oh, and the NFL, and the Raiders victorious. Over the Denver Broncos yesterday, we will dive into that today. A slew of guests coming your way. Sam Gordon will join us from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. And uh, Chuck Esposito over at Red Rock Casino, the sportsbook side of there. He will join us. And then we'll hear from Marco D'Angelo from Wager Talk, one of our resident handicappers here on the program, who's been on fire as of late. Yes, a lot of football to talk about. And the Raiders, victorious The favorites do exceptionally well, again, over the weekend, going 7-4. and And we have one more game to talk about tonight with the Saints taking on the Miami Dolphins. All right, so again, hope everyone had a a great Christmas, whether it was uh, spending with friends, family, or just relaxing. You had plenty of sports to uh, take care of your weekend, and, and that was my weekend. It was basically, it was good. It was mellow, of course. There was plenty of food involved, but uh, just enjoyed the time to to watch football. It's kind of weird of having you know Christmas on a Saturday, and then you had your NFL games, which you normally have on Saturdays in the month of December. Every year you have that, and then of course you have your regular Sunday action. So almost kind of felt that I got gypped a little bit. You know, I didn't. You know, it's like I didn't get that extra day. Didn't get that extra day off or those extra days to watch football game. It's like, oh wait a minute. I mean, the holiday is on a Saturday, and then we've got a regular Sunday. Oh, then we're back to work and we're going through everything on a Monday. So seemed almost kind of like a regular weekend. And I've caught myself going, what day of the week is this again? Is this Thursday? Is it Friday? Oh no, Christmas is Saturday. Interesting. But anyway. I'll tell you what I enjoy it too, because I love watching, you know, catch up some TV, just relaxing. And on on Christmas night, I had recorded this documentary a while back, and I was just waiting for the right time to watch it. And then I watched it Christmas night, and was it, you know, red off the red nosed reindeer? No. Charlie Brown, no, nothing like that. Die Hard, like our good friend Paul Buck, Power Stewart in England, no. It was the documentary about Quentin Tarantino's first eight movies. 
QT8. Fantastic. Now, if you're a Quentin Tarantino fan like I am, you will love this because it was uh, just informative uh, dialogue with interviews with a lot of Quentin Tarantino's stars through most of his movies because he used a lot of the same guys. And there, he really has an art to that where you just don't use Samuel Jackson on every movie or Michael Madsen on every movie. But he spreads it out where they're the mainstays and they'll be in maybe every other movie or they'll be in, in, in three of the eight or four of the eight and that sort of thing. So uh, some, some great interviews with so many stars that just love working for him and give you a great behind-the-scenes look at uh, Quentin Tarantino, his career, uh, where he came from, uh, great behind-the-scenes stuff in, in so many of the movies. And uh, they went one by one, one through eight over the years, you know, going back to, to 1992 with True Romance, Reservoir Dogs, and uh, you know, all the way up to the hate, uh, Hateful Eight. So very good stuff, and uh, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed my Christmas in that aspect. So, again, hope everyone had a, a wonderful Christmas. All right. So the Raiders are living a wonderful Christmas right now as well, too, because they've won two games in a row, and the Raiders, believe it or not, are in control of their own destiny. Two weeks ago, we were just talking about this team. They're done. Forget about it. I wasn't the only one. Most people said, forget it. They're done, especially after the two losses to Kansas City. But I will say this. As good as they played against Cleveland and especially yesterday, they played much better yesterday against Denver at Allegiant Stadium than they did Cleveland. They won ugly against Cleveland. And you can make excuses in saying, well, you know, they beat a COVID-ravaged team in the Cleveland Browns. You know, without Baker Mayfield, without Jarvis Landry, uh, without Javion Clowney, and the Raiders won ugly, and they got the win. Bottom line is they got the win. Yesterday, they played a Denver Bronco team without their starting quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater. They've owned the Broncos for the better part of the last two years. They swept them for two straight seasons now, winning four in a row. And again, they beat Drew Locke. And uh, Locke was horrible when he was here last year when the Raiders won 37-12. to the Raiders won at the end of the season in Denver uh, um, you know, last year. And then uh, they won this year. And then they came to Allegiant Stadium with Drew Locke again. And the, the Broncos were missing some key personnel, uh, especially in the offensive side of the ball. But this is a game that the Raiders needed to win, and they played with definite urgency yesterday. It was a must-win. They got the win. They sweep Denver and they eliminate the Denver Broncos the past two seasons. Now, the big picture, that really doesn't mean anything, but I know for a lot of Raider fans, like, hey, we beat our our heated rival. We beat the Broncos, and we swept them two years in a row. Big victory, no matter what. But the bottom line is, it doesn't matter who you play at this point in time, you've got to get the victories. And if the Raiders would have lost either last week or this week, people would be saying, this is done, wholesale changes, and... They could be saying that six days from now when they line up against the Indianapolis Colts on the road. Because, let's be honest, the next two games are the Raiders' toughest games, especially this week as they're going to go play an Indianapolis Colts team that is and 9-6 and looking very, very strong on both sides of the ball. But I will say this about yesterday's game, the Raiders beating the Broncos. 
it was probably the most complete game that they played in a very long time. The offense and the defense contributed equally. But really, when you look at this game yesterday, it was all about the D. The defense was the difference. What they did to the Broncos offensively was phenomenal. They held the Broncos to 18 rushing yards. 18 in an NFL football game on 16 carries. Think about that. That's a yard per carry. 16 rushes, 18 yards. They held the Broncos to a grand total of eight first downs. And you know my favorite stat, third down conversions. What did the Raiders' defense do to Denver yesterday? One for ten. Denver was one for ten on third down for a total of 158 yards of offense by the Denver Broncos. Nobody is going to win a football game with only 158 total yards. You want to point the finger if you're a Broncos fan at Drew Locke. He wasn't horrendous. And here's another thing. You know how many turnovers the Broncos had yesterday? Zero. Did not turn the ball over. The Raiders, on the other hand, three turnovers. Carr had some untimely interceptions. Um, The offense looked good at times. It looked bad at times. But the Raiders got the win. And it was their first win where Derek Carr did not throw for over 300 yards. I know he's tired of hearing about that stat, but it's true. So goes Carr, so go the Raiders. But what was the missing piece yesterday in that game for the Raiders offensively? It was the running game. The running game finally emerged. If you're going to go to the playoffs and expect to have any possibility of winning and any success in the postseason, you have to run the ball effectively. And yesterday they did it against a Broncos defense that's a top 10 defense, especially against the run. They're a top five defense against the run. Josh Jacobs, 27 carries yesterday. Think about that for a minute. 27 carries for Josh Jacobs. I cannot remember the last time Josh Jacobs had 27 carries. If that's not a career high, it's, it, it, it's darn close. 27 carries for 129 yards. The Raiders sustained long drives, and then they took care of the football when they needed to. First half, they were sloppy, especially at the end of the first half. We're going to get all into that today. But kudos to the offense for putting together long drives. Kudos to the defense for really putting it together for 60 solid minutes yesterday. The Denver drives yesterday, okay? Their first three drives, they were moving the football pretty decent, but they couldn't get in the end zone, and this this game was scoreless in the first half. The Raiders' defense clamped down, and here's what the Denver drives looked like at the end of the first half and into the second half. All right? You had, at the end of the first half, they had a three-play drive, punt. Four-play drive, punt. Uh, they had one play after the turnover where they got the touchdown. All right, So you, you, you throw that out. But then when the second half came, the Broncos had drives of four plays, six plays, seven plays, and none of those had much yardage attached to it. It couldn't have when you only have 158 total yards in the game. 
but kudos to the Raiders for playing well yesterday in a game they had to win. All right, the Raiders got off to a quick start yesterday. They, We've been <laughs> hoping for this, or Raider fans have been hoping for this, because we see how slow they start games, especially at home against the Legion Stadium. No excuse for that. Even though it was a scoreless first quarter, the Raiders, on their second possession, got in the end zone. Even though technically they didn't score until the beginning part of the second quarter, they put together a 14-play drive that encompassed 76 yards, and they got on the board first. From just outside the 10, second and goal. Carr looking left, throwing left, corner of the end zone. It is caught, and he get down in time. Hunter Renfro. Touchdown Raiders. So there was the uh, 10-yard touchdown to Hunter Renfro, and Hunter Renfro has put his name into the Raiders' history books already. He is only behind what what he's done so far this year is amazing with the the number of catches that he has, uh, only behind two legends, Tim Brown and Jerry Rice. Hunter Renfro is in that conversation. Uh, fantastic game again by Hunter Renfro. And a lot of people didn't even know who Hunter Renfro was. They see this guy at training camp after the Raiders drafted him out of Clemson. And they go, who is this little guy? But if you watched Hunter Renfro, what he did at Clemson, especially in the national championship game, his last year at Alabama, this guy's phenomenal. Does it all. I mean, you put him in the slot, you put him at the end, it doesn't matter. Uh, The guy can play special teams. Uh, you know, in Alabama, he ran kickoffs back, punts back, did it all. A phenomenal wide receiver. Great to see Hunter Renfro succeeding in the NFL, and especially here with the Raiders. All right, so Denver answered that drive, but their drive stalled, and Brandon McManus hit a 49-yard field goal that was good, and that, that trimmed the lead to uh, 7-3. to After the Raiders punted, Denver, their drive stalled again at midfield, and uh, McManus uh, t- attempted a long field goal. He nailed it. Uh, and uh, next thing you know, the it's 7-6. to six. The Raiders are there in the lead, and Denver's hanging around. 32 seconds before the half, the Raiders had the ball at their own 25, and I think everyone pretty much expected the Raiders just to go Neil Diamond. You got the lead. Uh, you should be happy with that. But instead... They wanted to try to move the ball downfield. Derek Carr's first pass on this drive with 32 seconds to go didn't end up well. First down. <laughs> oh, that pick is made. On his way back is Bradley Chubb to the end zone. Down at about the one-yard line. Yes, Bradley Chubb picked off a Derek Carr ill-advised pass. Carr went back to pass, going for a screen pass. Chubb tipped it, uh, grabbed it, rumbled down into the end zone. They uh, called him down at the one-yard line. And then, one play later, the Broncos went in for the score. Javante Williams straight ahead for the touchdown. Javante Williams for the touchdown from one yard. And next thing you know, the Denver Broncos are leading at halftime 13-7. to Raiders scored first, up 7-0. Defense plays well to hold Denver to two field goals, 7-6. Ill-advised toss by, by Carr. 
And you, I understand if you don't want to say, okay, let's just take it in the locker room ahead seven to six, you know, but you, you throw a pass down the field, you throw it down the middle of the field. You just don't throw a screen pass. And just like that, the Raiders found themselves after really dominating the entire first half, found themselves trailing uh, at, at this point in time in the game, 13 to seven Bronco fans are feeling pretty good about themselves. So you go into the locker room. This Raider team came out with a different mantra in in the second half. So the Raiders' first drive of the second half, an eight-play, 75-yard drive. Seven of the eight plays were runs. Six of them by Josh Jacobs, and the Raiders retook the lead. He has the football. He's got the end zone for the touchdown. Got the touchdown was Peyton Barber who who got the touchdown. So Peyton Barber only had a handful of carries uh, yesterday, and that was one of them, a five-yard touchdown. That put the Raiders up with the PAT by Daniel Carlson, 14-13. Now Denver had a chance to take the lead back with a 55-yard field goal by McManus, who had been nails earlier in the day, hitting two for two uh, from distance. Uh, but McManus missed this field goal, and that was huge because the Broncos had a chance to take the lead midway through the fourth quarter. The Raiders took the ball over at their own 45-yard line, and they put together another time-consuming drive of 13 plays. Even though they didn't have any big chunk plays, and then Carlson added a field goal to push the lead to four. Uh, After the Broncos um, couldn't move the ball, and the Raiders had to take uh, take the ball back at their own 11-yard line to try to seal the deal here. The Broncos had to use all three of their timeouts. They did during that drive, and then it was third and two for the Raiders and at their own 36. And the game on the line here, if they don't get the first down, they're going to give the ball back to Denver, be it still with no timeouts. But what do you do? Do you keep the ball on the ground like they've been doing for a majority of this game, specifically the second half? No. Cargo's play action and goes to Foster Moreau. On third and two, Carr going to throw it. Lofting it. Wide open. He's got his man. That is Moreau. First down. And there's the gain of 29 yards. First down for the Raiders. Game, set, match. Game over right then and there. And the Raiders put the game away in front of a delighted crowd at Allegiant Stadium. All right, here's the interim head coach, Rich Pisaccia, talking about what do you think the key to the victory was? Just our defense. I mean, I there's, really haven't come up with a word yet to describe it. Um, first and foremost, I'd say it was outstanding. It was phenomenal. It was awesome. It was relentless, um, competitive effort, down in and down in and down in and down in. And um, can't, can't say enough about how excited we are about the way our defense played. I think we gave up 18 rushing yards in, in the entire game. Um, they, they kept us in it the whole day. Uh, before the half, you know, the turnovers before the half, we just had some poor execution. We wanted to stay aggressive. Uh, we thought we'd get into a two-minute deal at the end and use our timeouts, and we, we didn't do a very good job with that, obviously. It was poor. It was poor on my part, um, wanting to stay aggressive, and we just poor execution there. So you look at the 36 minutes of time of possession, for us, and then our ability to come out in the second half and respond the way we did on offense, um, running the football, the drive to start the second half, I think it's 75 yards, um, nine-play drive, and to go down there and, and score in that fashion certainly gave our defense a little bit of juice again that we came out um, and responded well to help them the way in which they were playing in the first half, and they responded by just doing it again throughout the entire second half. 
All right, big key to the victory, obviously, the defense. And the Raiders got a complete game yesterday with a victory 17-13. to The Raiders were finally able to, to run the ball. But where this game really turned for the Raiders was the turnover at the end of the first half. After the team played with some anger, some aggressiveness, they went into that locker room at halftime, again, turning the ball over and found themselves down. 13-7 to after they clearly dominated the first half, and especially with Jocks Jacobs. So the turnover at the end of the first half, halftime, Rich Passaccia talks about that. Yeah, we'd all like to play with anger, and we'd like to play with edge, and Josh does that when he carries the football. We certainly weren't happy with the way the first half ended. Right? We turned the ball over twice, put our defense in a bad situation, and, and um, the results were what they were. So I thought we had a good halftime adjustment, um, came out and had the ability to run the football in the second half, and then obviously our defense responded again with great energy and great effort and gave us the ball at, uh, at times where we could go do something with it. It was great to see the Raiders finally run the ball effectively with great results. Like I said, Josh Jacobs carried the ball 27 times for 129 yards. Here's Basaccia talking about the running uh, game. Making an, I think Ole and Coach Caves did a great job making an adjustment you know, to some of the techniques that we were getting from them up front. Gave us the ability to run some of the plays uh, that we had been working on, a couple of different runs that we put in uh, for this particular game, but to go downhill a little bit more, and then a credit to the, to the offensive line to come out. And they had a little edge as well, you know, certainly. Um, and we could do a little bit better on some of the edges in the pass protection, but I think they came out with their mindset. We thought we could run the football. I think that's what you saw from those guys early in the second half. All right, Rich Passaccia talking about that. Also, another thing that the Raiders had to overcome yesterday were the injuries and then, of course, the COVID-19 list. Nate Hobbs missed the game last week. You had Brian Edwards, who was a late scratch yesterday. No one really knew about this until they got to the facility. It was deja vu. Same thing with Hobbs that happened last week on game day. Brian Edwards, their wide receiver, they could have used him yesterday. Here's Basaccia talking about that. Yeah, again, I just think you know our, our mindset around here, I know it, it's a, it's a um, cliche, next man up type thing, but we also we all know that because of COVID, the situation that we're all in. We lost Hobbs last week on the morning of the game. It happened to us again today. So a credit again to our defense, a credit to those um, those guys that were prepared to go in and play. And I, I thought they, they all played well. And um, it was good to get Nate back. And, uh, you know, he missed a bunch of time on the field. So he was able to be able to be a part of our, our kicking game for us a little bit. And Keyshawn handled a little bit more of the defense today. But it was a, um, an all-in mentality. Everybody held on to the rope today. All right, here's Rich Passaccia talking about the Raiders facing these must-win situations. That's two weeks in a row. The Raiders needed to have a must-win, and they got it yesterday, especially in front of the home crowd. Certainly, yeah. I think we're seeing a team that um, has responded well to adversity, whether it's before the game or whether it's during the game. To come out and play like that um, offensively and defensively in the second half again, the way defense played for us in the first half to go through Murphy's Law to end the second half. So I think we're seeing a team that um, is responding to adversity and we're learning how to respond to prosperity. We're learning how to, maybe we're learning how to win a little bit better as well. So um, just again, just a credit to the coaches, a credit to the players, the way in which they responded to all things that have happened throughout the week, on this morning, and then certainly throughout the game. All right, responding big time yesterday when they need to. Again, you're coming down to the crunch 
time of the season here. You have to your your backs are against the wall, and the Raiders responded yesterday. And what was also good is the way they responded at home. We haven't seen that losing the last two games at home, getting a win at home yesterday, and actually the effect that the home crowd had. We kept them in the game early. They were excited for us. Certainly, they were the towels were waving, and then we dulled their spirits a little bit right before the half. So it was exciting to feel. Um, the second half, when we started to run the ball like that, they started to come back to life. It was it was electric. We thought on the sideline. I think you saw Max and Unique and those guys on the sideline working the crowd, and and um, it was exciting for us to do a good enough job to get them back in the crowd and make them be a part of the game um, on the plus side for us. So we were excited to finally get a win at home, and uh, for our crowd to be behind us, it was exciting to hear Raider Nation. They were loud. They were really loud at the end. It's good to hear Rich Basaccia uh, speak. With confidence now. You notice how he's handling these press conferences so much better than he did in the past. And obviously when you when you win games, you know, you're gonna you know you'd be a little bit more, you know, I guess uh, you know, enthusiastic, especially, you know, with the media here. But uh, he's handled himself uh, very, very well. Let's uh, hear from Derek Carr. And uh, Derek Carr has talked about the interception at the end of the first half, which hundred percent was on him, and then how the Raiders responded in the second half. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's football, you know, um, they're going to make plays too, you know, we can't, we don't want to help them in that. Uh, but they you know, we fumble it and then, you know, we go to throw a screen, which is going to be huge. And the guy's falling down. I try and throw it and he jumps up one handed and like, not, not, not today, you know, cause, I, cause the whole game, we were getting the things that we wanted, um, in the past game and the run game, the looks that we liked and, uh, all of those things. So, um, we were, it was more just like we were just mad, but a confidence that we knew we were going to come out strong because we, we, were, we were running efficiently, we were throwing it efficiently. The play-action game was awesome um, for us. And uh, so it was a lot of confidence, but more of a heightened, just a sense of you know, urgency coming out like, hey, let's get this taste out of our mouth so it's good that we could go down and run the ball like that, throw into D-Jack and get back in the end zone. All right, Derek Carr uh, talking about uh, the halftime adjustments, how they came out in the second half, and then the defense. Here's Derek Carr talking about how good the defense was yesterday. And then in the second half, the offense came around and did their part as well. Do I get credit for that? Do I get credit for holding them to 18? No, that's, uh, you know, they did a great job today and uh, so proud of them. I, I told them in there, I was like, you know, if we can run to win a championship, running the football and playing defense, you know, and then, uh, you know, quarterbacks, you know, we just try and make the best decision possible every time and, um, you know, try and get it to the open guys, things like that. And so if, if we can play like that and get hot doing that kind of stuff, that's going to help us. You know, it doesn't guarantee anything, but it's definitely, a, uh, you know, a good formula into winning. You know, um, all the championship teams, you, you look back mostly, um, you know, play some solid defense or they're great on situations and, or take the ball away. And, uh, and, and you're able to run the football because then the play-action game, you saw play, a lot of play-actions today where those windows are there. And when you're running it like that, you want to call those play-action. I mean, third and two to win it, you know, to foster the play-action, you know, kind of pass. And, uh, you know, so it's it, it's good for our team to be able to win a game like that. We didn't have to throw it for 300 yards. I'm tired of hearing that stat. You know, throw it for 300 to win a game. We didn't have to do that. We don't have to do that. And I'm proud of our offensive line and our defense. And I hope they get, um, you know, a lot of credit for, for today's win. Uh, the defense definitely gets a lot of credit for the game uh, win yesterday. No question. Give out 11 game balls to the defensive side of the ball. But the running game, like you mentioned, fantastic. When you get Josh Jacobs running the ball the way he ran yesterday, then all of a sudden there's a much different offense. Oh, man, I, I told him. I was like, the way his feet were moving after contact, 
Um, some of those holes that, I mean, I turned around and didn't see anything. And I mean, he just punctured a hole in there with his strength. Um, you know, Kareem was coming downhill trying to kill him. And, uh, you know, Josh was, you know, putting his shoulder into him. I mean, it was, it was very aggressive. If I, I think that'd be the word I'd use from my point of view. It was a very aggressive running style in that second half. And, um, I mean, it helped us win that football game. It was really unbelievable, especially that first drive, you know, going that way. Um, you know, the way he was cutting and running, I think that – I told him, I said, I think that's the best drive I've ever seen you have. You know, I, it was it was really that impressive to me. All right, Derek Carr talking about his running back. The Raiders also, they found a way to win at the end of the game, playing very, very well here in the in the last couple weeks. See if they can continue with that. Here's Derek Carr talking about finding a way to win. We're finishing stronger than we have, you know, and uh, you know we still have two games left against two really hard, uh, you know, difficult teams, and uh, it's going to take everything that we have, uh, especially one on the road and then one back here at home against a rival. Uh, but I mean, we're doing you know what we want to do right now. We're winning football games. We're finding a way to win, you know, whether it's a two-minute drive or whether it's four-minute and trying to put somebody away at the end. You know, we're just we're just finding ways to win, and at the end of the day, that's. <laughs> Been been praying for moments like this, you know, just praying for moments. We find ways to win at the end of the year, so we can just get in the tournament. That's all. We- all right. When you know, most people will look at the Raiders on who they're playing the last couple of weeks and say, "Well, they should beat these teams." But when you're a football player, I mean, you basically don't care who you're lining up in front of, and you're just looking, "Hey, how are we playing ourselves?" Here's Carr talking about the difference on how they're playing now compared to earlier. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't sense a different kind of urgency or a different kind of like mindset. I think that we've had a good mindset from the leader's perspective and, you know, trying to, you know, push that out to the rest of the team. And I think that um, we've been good at that all year. I think that right now I talk about those details of our footwork having to be right when we make a certain call. Your fundamentals have to be right or you're going to get beat on that, you know, and, and all all of those things, I think that we're doing those things better right now. You know, I think that's the difference. And after some of those games where I'd be, you know, a little upset or things like that, um, I would talk about the fundamentals, the details, the, the the placement of your eyes and your your hands, your feet, your decision making, all of those kind of things, and taking care of the football. It's amazing that we won a game again um, by turning the ball over, and that just gives credit to our defense and they're playing well. But I don't. I don't sense anything different. You know, if I if I sense anything different, I'd tell you. But I just our guys just come into work. We're going to come into work tomorrow like nothing even happened today, and we're going to go to work and we're going to try and get as healthy as we can by Sunday and get ready to play. All right, get ready to play the Indianapolis Colts coming up on Sunday on the road. Finally, Derek Carr talks about the home field advantage. It was great to see the fans on their feet yesterday, showing up big time and getting ready to support their team. Here's Derek Carr talking about the home field advantage and message to the fans. Absolutely. This was the most home field advantage feeling I felt, um, you know, uh, off season, you know, and it's, it was really cool. And, um, you know, the way that they were loud on defense, you know, we hit, we would hit a big play into the red zone and it, it was quiet. Um, you know, that we, thank you. You know, like that stuff matters. We got to be able to communicate and you want that to be an advantage when you're at home. And so uh, I say thank you to our fans. Um, but I, I thought today was a, unbelievable you know they did a great job and uh given our you know hopefully we made some plays to get them excited for the defense and they did and um you know when we were on offense they you know they'd clap and then they'd sit down until we you know were able to score a field goal or a touchdown and that that helps us when we're at home it's an advantage for us all right there is the quarterback Derek Carr winning two games in a row didn't have his best game yesterday but again he was 20 for 25 all right 211 yards had the turnovers but again 
uh, came through when it counted the most, especially on that third and two, hitting Foster Moreau to seal the deal yesterday. A lot of heroes yesterday for the Raiders. The defensive side of the ball, Max Crosby, phenomenal. No question about it. Offensively, you could talk about Hunter Renfro, but again, we got to talk about Josh Jacobs. Here's Josh Jacobs talking about what was said at halftime and how he got in the zone in the second half. Not only that, I, I kind of went into the halftime and um, talked to the coaches, and I was like, let me get in the rhythm. Just, just give me a chance, to, you know what I'm saying, uh, to, to play the style of ball that I want to play. Um, in the offensive line, we all came to agreement. Um, we went out there and did it and executed. When, when I get in the, I know when I get in the rhythm because um, I start making extra little plays, um, like uh, moves. Not only that, everything kind of slows down for me. Um, and I just kind of get in that zone. And um, I was even, I told him today, I was like, man, I was tired before the game. I thought it was going to be one of them games where I come in, I'm like, Real winded, and um, I, I really didn't remember myself getting tired that much. Um, but yeah, I kind of get quiet. I kind of just get in that in that zone. All right, I think a lot of the players feel that this is a different Raiders team. The past two weeks, Josh Jacobs definitely feels that way. Man, the last two weeks, um, even at practice, the last two weeks I've been like crazy. Like you could feel that you could feel like the the tension and the urgency um, at practice. You know what I'm saying? Even even in our walkthroughs, you see guys like really like paying attention to the details and things like that. Um, so I mean, you could tell that the the guys want it. Um, and I mean, that's I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, even today when we had all the adversity that we had in the first first half, people came out there and we still played because we know what's at, at stake and um, we know what we want to accomplish. So yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely been a, a great energy booster for us. All right, Josh Jacobs, the running back out of Alabama, has really started to grow just not only you know in this Raiders offense, because he's still a very young player, but Josh Jacobs is also growing as a leader. Here's Josh Jacobs with a little self-reflection on his role with this team. I think the biggest thing that I've learned um, from being a leader is how to follow, um, how to respect the guys and how to get the attention of the guys um, in, a, in, a, in a way that's positive and um, in a way that motivates. Um, I mean, I, I respect every guy in that locker room, um, and I, I see what they do on a daily basis of how they challenge themselves to want to get better, and they get the respect out of me. Um, so I just try to tell them, just try to hold them to the standard that I know that they're capable of. Um, even with myself, man, I, they hold me to that standard when I, when I mess up and I make mental errors or I fumble the ball and things like that. They tell me and they let me know, and, and I respect that. Um, and that's just the biggest thing. I think it's just a, a relationship and a respect level that we have uh, amongst the guys um, to want to complete the goal that we want to go to. All right, Josh Jacobs. All right, there's your Raiders sound for today. And uh, after yesterday's game, the head coach, Rich Passaccia, and Derek Carr and Josh Jacobs. Victory yesterday, 17-13, Raiders 8-7. and Believe it or not, they control their own destiny for the postseason. When we come back, we'll visit with Sam Gordon, who covers the Raiders. He was there along with myself yesterday at the game. We'll get Sam's thoughts on yesterday's performance and a look ahead and what this team uh, has to do in the next couple weeks and what is the legitimate shot of this team making the playoffs. We hit that when we come back. Back to more nonstop sports talk with the Dr. T.C. Martin. Raiders get the victory yesterday at home at Allegiant Stadium. Raider fans pretty happy, thinking like, okay, 
got a shot at the playoffs here, and they do. At 8-7, and seven, believe it or not, they control their own destiny. Two big wins the last two weeks. And let's talk to our good friend Sam Gordon, who was also there at the game uh, yesterday, writing uh, his story at the for the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Sam, what's going on, brother? TC, happy Monday, my man. How you doing? Good, good, good. Hopefully you had a good uh, Christmas. I know you. last time we talked with you, you were hanging out there in Minneapolis. Then, uh, you know, probably took the red eye back, and you got back in time uh, for the Raider game on, on Sunday. Hey, man, you, you, you nailed it. Just about <laughs> right, man. But it, it was great to be home for a few days, kind of a change of pace. You know, Minneapolis is you know, more quiet than, than Las Vegas, certainly, but uh, happy to be back um, in Vegas. It's a great holiday, and hope you had a good one as well. Okay, now, Sam, so full disclosure here, and we'll go ahead and, and we'll, we'll cut off our feed to the Raiders' facility <laughs> right now, okay? But if you had to do it all over again, okay, with no responsibilities from a work standpoint, would you have rather stayed in Minneapolis and watch Rams-Vikings or get back here yesterday, Raiders-Broncos? Uh, I'm happy I came back. I'm happy I came back. Both both good games, but but uh, I was ready to be back. You know, three, four days is the right, right amount of time to be in Minnesota at this time of year, right? Four or five yeah. days tops. Yeah. So I, I got back to Vegas right in time. And, and of course, um, you know, that game obviously in Minneapolis, super meaningful as well for both teams. But I was at one of the, one of the games Sunday yesterday where you had those same stakes for the teams involved. So I felt like it was one of the more relevant games in the NFL around the league, and I'm happy to be there. Okay, there, okay, you can turn our Raiders feed back on the facility now. <laughs> okay, it's good. <laughs> I gave you every opportunity, Sam. Say, yeah, Rams, Vikings, this and that. What, what is the feeling there with people in Minneapolis? I mean, do they, do they actually think that this team has a legitimate shot? I mean, if they get to the playoffs, or are they saying, you know, here we go again, it's Green Bay's division, Kirk Cousins, we want him out. What are they thinking right now in Minneapolis? I think it's a little bit above DC. I mean, it's that, that's the thing with this this particular the 2021 Vikings. They can beat anybody and they can lose to anybody, and they're capable of looking fantastic and they're capable of looking terrible. Right? You've seen both extremes throughout the course. Of heck, even in every game, they've had drives where they can move the ball on anybody, and defensively they can force turnovers and create havoc. And then they have drives where their defense is a sieve and where they go three and out. It, it's just it's so perplexing. I think the kind of the, the, the feeling and the energy back home is the team is ready to move on from Mike Zimmer. Not that he's a bad coach by any means, but it's just time for a new voice, a new energy. Uh, I think the ceiling with this particular group has been reached. It was an NFC championship team in 2017. Of course, there's several new faces, but the core kind of the identity of the team is, is very much the same uh, as it was the last, you know, the last three or four years. And, and it just hasn't done anything. So time for maybe a new voice and potentially um, a trade at quarterback. Cousins hasn't been bad by any means, but he's not what you need with this particular roster in this particular situation. They could probably get value from him and, and start over in, in general. I think that's kind of the feeling back home. It's, it's more the same with the Vikings. You never know what you're going to get. But in terms of a talent uh, on that roster, if that job does open up, it has to be as attractive as any. You have Justin Jefferson, who's 22 years old. Uh, Dalvin Cook still with a couple more years, and, and uh, there's a foundation there that can be built upon. So we'll see what they do, but it's definitely kind of the same feeling back home for sure. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I can imagine they feel that way with – with Zimmer, and they got to feel that way about Kirk Cousins too. I mean, again, sure. it, it, they have to feel that way. It's even though at times he can be good, but he he hasn't led him to win anything, anything of relevance. And you know, I understand it's tough to find a franchise type of quarterback, but he's definitely not it, right? No, I, I don't think he is either. I think you you know you're gonna you're gonna have a chance to contend for the playoffs. You, you know, he can make all the throws. We understand he throws a pretty ball. The numbers are going to be good, but. For his entire career now, we have, we have a big sample size. He's just a, a team with him. He's not putting you over the top. 
that's just not what he's doing. So there are teams uh, around. If the Vikings do want to move on from Kirk Cousins, there are going to be plenty of suitors. A team like Pittsburgh can certainly use him. A team like the Saints, the Washington football team, ironically enough, uh, could definitely use Kirk Cousins right now. They're, they're, he's an upgrade in several places, but uh, he just hasn't kind of been what the Vikings expected him to be. I think they had, what, three possessions in the first half that, that were in the red zone, and you walk away with three points out of that. Like, that's just – you you get that too often. And, and, and the stats look good and the numbers look good, and you have all those things with him, and those are legitimate. He's a professional quarterback in the NFL. He's certainly competent. He's more than capable of running an offense. But in order to reach the ceiling that you really want to get to – uh, you need perfect kind of play around him. You need a, a great offensive line. You need a big-time defense. and yeah, it's, it's so hard to construct a team like that in, in 2021. You're just not going to do it. So with that said, uh, I think in, in Minnesota, I, I could totally understand if they're ready to move on from him as well. And I could see a new coach wanting to, to run it back with him too. I mean, it's, uh, how, who are you going to upgrade with? You'd be taking a risk, a calculated risk, but it would be a risk nonetheless. So I think the quarterback market could be pretty robust this offseason, depending on how some of these teams finish, and it's going to make for an interesting uh, you know, January, February, March, April, May. You got it. Sam Gordon joins us, Las Vegas Review Journal. He was at the game yesterday. We were watching the Raiders uh, defeat the Denver Broncos yesterday, 17-13. Sam, another game where the Raiders don't score uh, more than 17 points. This has been the scenario with them, but it's been good enough to win, especially the last two weeks. They're 8-7, and seven, two big wins, and, and and hope is still alive here, but how concerning is the offense still? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's very concerning. Big picture, TC. You look at I think seven of the last eight games now, seventeen points or, or fewer, and it's worked the last couple games because you're playing Nick Mullins and the the, the, the Browns B squad and and Drew Locke with who, no disrespect, I mean, there's a reason they moved on from Drew Locke last year and brought in Teddy Bridgewater, right? Like, that's, I mean, Drew Locke is Drew Locke. That's, that's who he is. He had 140 yards or whatever the number was yesterday. Could not take advantage of, of the Raiders' defensive scheme, clearly designed to disrupt the run. So you got to give the Raiders credit, right? They, they, they took care of business. They were in winner-go-home situations, essentially, starting last week in Cleveland. Defense played well. It's not the defense's fault you're playing backup quarterbacks, right? Like, you still have to go out there and execute what you want to do. They did that. And offensively, you got enough points to, to win. But now, T.C., as we've learned, I mean, the Raiders just announced they placed, you know, three or four really key defensive players, Casey Hayward, Denzel Perryman. Uh, there's a couple others I'm, I'm forgetting, but on the COVID-19 list, K.J. Wright. Corey, uh, Corey and, Littlejohn, Patrick Onsoir, and uh, Darius Philly. Six guys, Sam. Six guys yeah, just, there, hit, the, just hit the COVID there. list, yeah. Darius Pylon, Max Crosby shouted him out after the game, was awesome in run support yesterday. Holding, I mean, they, they held Denver to 18 rushing yards, right? And now you're ironically facing the best running back in the NFL, the running back that's playing at the best level right now, Jonathan Taylor, a very good offensive line, and a Colts team that's rolling. So I, point being, I think you're going to have to score some points on Sunday to beat Indianapolis, and you're going to need to, to have a – we'll see if they some of those players can test out of protocols, but defensively you're not going to be at full strength the way you were for the most part, right? Of course, there were some losses. It's, it's the middle of December, end of December. We understand that. But for the most part, most of their key players were available on defense um, yesterday. That might not be the case on Sunday. So it's, to answer your question offensively, yeah, you're concerned. They haven't been able to find that balance all year. You had an excellent day on the ground. Offensive line play well. Josh Jacobs play well. Finally, they were able to run the ball. But we have a 15-game sample size now. That, that's, been the, that's been the one-off all year. You're going to be able to do that and find a passing game against a really good team on the road in a do-or-die situation, that's what we're going to find out. That's what they play the games, but it certainly uh, seems like the odds are, are stacked against them, and, and the line reflects that as well. 
you know, some fans will look at this and say, hey, okay, you're looking at the glass, you know, half full and saying, hey, uh, they're they're eight and seven. They control their own playoff destiny here. And then you can look at the glass half empty and say, well, they still haven't played well enough. And we're, you know, we're touching about one of those things about still not being able to score enough. But when you look at their last two victories, okay, very uh, ugly game against Cleveland. And then yesterday, you could almost use that term ugly again. However, the defense played so well. And then the offense actually played well in the second half. Uh, you know, the running game was spot on. And to see Josh Jacobs carry, carry the ball 27 times for 129 yards, I mean, there's a lot of positives there. But don't you think, Sam, that fans should probably still temper their expectations here because they did beat Cleveland and they and they beat Denver both without their starting quarterbacks at that time and missing a bunch of other key players as well? Yeah, I, I definitely think you expect – I mean, I don't think this. you expect the Raiders to make the playoffs by any means. I certainly don't. Now, again, that's why they play the games. Maybe they go out there and, and, and handle business in Indianapolis and come home against a division rival in the Chargers who are also in that same desperation mode, right, because of an egregious loss to the Houston Texans. They're in that same desperation mode, and maybe that game, uh, the season finale is for all the marbles. I don't know. We, we have no idea. Uh, but the reality is, again, 17 points uh, in seven of the last eight games. Now you're playing a very good team that's hot at the right time, a team that just dismantled New England and then took care of business again yesterday or on Saturday on the road against Arizona, an Arizona team that at one point looked like the best team in the NFL. We understand that's not the case anymore, but still a very impressive victory for Indianapolis. They're as hot as anybody, right? They're as hot as anybody, and now as the Raiders, you're, you might be potentially undermanned for that game uh, in a do-or-die situation. Uh, first and foremost, you, see, you go back to the half-glass, half full-half-empty uh, thing. I think the Raiders do deserve a lot of credit for being 8-7, and seven, right? It, it, it's been ugly, but given the, the adversity this team has dealt with all year, um, they could have folded up. They could have packed it in. It certainly seemed like that was the case during that Kansas City game uh, when they got blown off the field and the bounce back that the way that they did. That deserved, they deserve credit for their metal, uh, their grit, all those kind of cliche words. I mean, they're, they're, they're very real. They are 8-7. and seven. They didn't have to be. They are. So they deserve credit for that. But if we're being pragmatic about this, we have to look, take a look at the teams they're jostling with. We have to take a look at what their schedule is, what personnel disadvantages they may be facing because of COVID, and apply that to how we analyze the rest of the season. Um, I think it's definitely uphill, an uphill climb. But, again, credit the Raiders for at least giving themselves a chance to be in that mix. By, by playing so well defensively the last two weeks, you know we can talk about the defense uh, playing well. However, I'm going to use the word, I'm going to throw the however in there because it, it was against Drew Locke. It was a team that they had dominated. You know, basically the last four times that they had played him. And then you go back to the Cleveland game, and again, you know, Cleveland had no offense, you know, whatsoever. And, and it's against Nick Mullins. You're going to face a whole different test coming up here against the Colts. We'll talk about that in a minute, but. So the defense was impressive yesterday. But for me yeah. to see the way they ran the football, and not only how Josh Jacobs ran the football, Sam, but just the commitment to the run yeah. that the Raiders had, I had not seen that before. And, you know, there are fans out there who say, well, you got to live and die by Derek Carr, uh, you know, because you know, they are very proficient with the pass. Where do you think the, the Raiders go here in the next two games as far as finding that balance? Or do they go all in with Carr? Or now that you saw Josh Jacobs run the ball effectively you know, uh, yesterday against Denver, that he is more of a focal point? 
Yeah, I mean, I definitely think they're going to try and commit to the run a little more than they have previously this year. And it, it felt like, even though the running game was ineffective, that they stuck with it too long at times during certain games. Uh, I think, the, 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 I mean, is Darren Waller going to be available? That's something we have to monitor throughout the course of the week. If Darren Waller's available, maybe you open it up a little bit um, in the passing game and, and try and get a little bit more going down the field because of the attention that he draws along with Hunter Renfro. Uh, Deshaun Jackson and possibly if they get, can get Brian Edwards back off the COVID list again contingent upon a negative test but uh, the, you, we clearly saw that the running game was very effective uh, on Sunday now I think the Colts have a better defense than Denver uh, and I think that they're just a better overall team and if depending on how much the Colts are scoring or what the Raiders bring to the table defensively you might be in a situation where you have to abandon it but I think if the Raiders had their their choice of a style they want to play, especially at this time of the year with the injuries they have and the inconsistency they've had um, on the offensive side of the ball, or I guess you could call it the consistency, consistency the, the, the low-scoring consistency, um, that it might be in their best interest to try and keep that game low-scoring, right? Try and make a play or two on defense, try and control the clock, the tempo, the pace of play the way they did yesterday, and commit to the run. And if it's effective, it's effective. And if you can stay in the game like that, then that's great. I mean, every team, I think, wants to run the football. There's just some teams that are more efficient through the air, quite a few, actually. For the most part, the Raiders were, were that all year. I, I was very surprised with how effectively um, they were able to run the ball yesterday, but Again, credit to credit to the execution, the, the the young offensive line with this best game of the year. Credit to Jacobs and then the, the offensive uh, the staff for for coming up with a game plan and executing one that won the game. It doesn't have to be pretty; you just have to get it done. They got it done um, yesterday, and I think that is going to indicate a, a commitment or at least a want to a wanting to have more balance on Sunday against the Colts. It will be a tough task going to Indianapolis and facing the Colts, and we've seen the Raiders perform pretty well. On the road and again, they, they they beat Dallas, and then you know the, the Cleveland uh, situation. Even though Cleveland was, you know, uh, a shell of themselves, but this Colts team isn't going to be a shell of themselves. I mean, they actually have some COVID um, casualties as well. We heard that earlier today, and then you know, like you said, Rich Pisaccia at his press conference a couple hours ago was saying, "Well, we're waiting here on the Raiders," and then boom, here's what we hear back: uh, Casey yep. Hay- Hayward, uh, all yep. on the defense. Casey Hayward, Corey Littlejohn, Denzel Perry. Freeman, uh, you know, Patrick Onsuar, uh, all linebackers, KJ Wright, these yeah, linebackers, yeah. Darius Phylon, uh, like you talked about. Uh, this could be a huge blow going up uh, against this Colts team, especially one that has Jonathan Taylor running the ball the way he's running it, and he's a legitimate candidate for MVP. Yeah, I mean, he's enjoying as good of a season as we've had in a running back in recent years. When you take a look at the yards per carry, the number of 100-yard games he's had, and then the role that he plays within this offense. I mean, it's clear that they're one of the few teams in the NFL in 2021 where they, you know, commit to the run, they build their offense kind of around the run, and a lot of things they do are based on how well they're able to run the ball. And that's, again, a credit to the team they constructed, the offensive line, and, of course, Taylor. Um, like you mentioned, T.C., they, they are dealing with, with some, some COVID stuff as well. Darius Leonard, their all-pro linebacker, probably not going to be back in time based on him being unvaccinated. There's a number of unvaccinated players on the Colts that are part of protocols. They're slightly different. I'm not exactly sure what the specifics are, but they have to clear different protocols to come back because of the way that the the NFLPA and and the NFL have handled this collectively. So we're going to see what happens. But, yeah, regardless of – I mean, if both teams are undermanned, you're still going to probably favor the better team, right? And that's Indianapolis. Carson Wentz playing well. Michael Pittman Jr. is emerging as a star on the outside. So if you don't have Casey Hayward, your best corner, and have to deal with a 6'4 wide receiver like that that can go up and make plays – down the field that can that can get uh, produced in the first and the second levels. 
No, that's a tough task. So it might be based on who, I mean, it might be the whoever the healthier team is, uh, but still, I, I give the Colts the edge. I mean, again, and the sports books are reflecting it as well. The Colts are on fire. They are rolling. They have figured out a formula that works for them, and it is going to be a tall task on Sunday. But again, look, you see, stranger things have happened. Look how good Dallas is now. And the Raiders went into to Dallas on Thanksgiving and found a way to score 36 points. It's the aberration, the offensive aberration that they've had the last two months. Who's to say they're not in position to do that again? I mean, it's, it's unlikely. The body of work suggests it won't happen, but it could. And, that's again, that's why they go play the games. This is the NFL. Houston just pounded the Chargers yesterday. Nobody saw that coming. Maybe the Raiders are able to go pull off an upset and, and really be able to fortify their playoff hopes. Uh, we'll, we'll monitor that throughout the course of the week and see who's healthy and who's available on both sides. Yeah, you talk about Dallas, uh, you know, going back to when the Raiders beat them on Thanksgiving Day. And before that, the Broncos went in there and crushed them. I mean, beating by 30 points or whatever, it was ridiculous how they handled them. And, again, I think the Cowboys team is a little bit different now than they were, you know, three, four, five weeks ago uh, as well. They got more healthy now, and, yep. uh, and, and they're playing some pretty good football. And as far as the Colts go, you know, we, we say what you want about Derek Carr, a little bit of an enigma, uh, but Carson Wentz is, is an enigma. We know that himself, too. I mean, he can be very good at times, but, man, he can be very bad at times as well, too, and we've seen that the last couple of weeks. Yeah, we certainly have, and I think that's why it's so crucial that the, the Colts have structured their team the way they have, where it's about the run game. You minimize the risks he has to take because he was he took a lot of risks in Philadelphia, um, both with his arm and with his body, which was part of the reason he was struggled to be available and part of the reason he led the NFL in interceptions in 2020. But they've got a good thing going. You talk about balance. It feels like they're pretty balanced. Of course, it's been run heavy the last few weeks, but they have a competent passing game. Like I said, Michael Pittman, a very good receiver on the outside. Carson Wentz, 25 touchdowns to six picks. He's not turning the ball over at the rate he did last year. And I think they're asking him, they're not asking him to go out there and win games. They're asking him to, again, to use another cliche. Uh, I hate to do it, but it's appropriate here to manage the game and make a, a couple of key throws per game. So um, if he is able to do that, and if, you're, if the Colts are able to continue running the ball the way that they have been uh, and, and the playing defense the way they have been, that, that's a, a formula, I think, in this year's AFC uh, that, that could be successful, that can get them to a Super Bowl um, even because of how evenly matched a lot of the teams are. I don't think anybody in the AFC has really distinguished themselves except for Kansas City, which feels like they're firing on all cylinders at the right time. But Kansas City's had their share of clunkers too, and it's it's been so hard to predict this season. So I think when you take a look at the Colts, the balance they have, if they're healthy, if everybody's available, they, they're more than primed to make some kind of run. And I, they're still jostling for the division. Like that, that race hasn't been decided at all. So they might, you know, might be able to, to, to host some playoff games and, and really make a run here in the postseason. We'll see. All right. Sam Gordon, Las Vegas Review Journal, wrote a great article yesterday in uh, yesterday's game. Go check that out at the reviewjournal.com. Sam, appreciate you, brother. And we'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks for having me, TC. Talk soon. All right. Great stuff. When we come back, we talk about the sportsbook side of things. Chuck Esposito joins us from Red Rock. Marco D'Angelo, one of our handicappers over at Wager Talk. Uh, we start looking at uh, the week ahead, so what our eyes saw yesterday. We'll talk about the favorites cashing in yesterday. And then we also got bowl games this week, including the Las Vegas Bowl coming up on Thursday. Looking forward to that. One hour down, one to go on this magnificent Monday. T.C. Martin Show. <laughs> 